Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Welcome, everyone. I am thrilled to have this guest on today. She is a actually a very dear friend of mine. We've gotten to know each other well over the years. We're both therapists in the Olympia, Washington area. So welcome, Tracy Canella. I'll, I'll hop in and tell you a little bit about Tracy. She's a licensed mental health counselor, a certified rehabilitation counselor. She's a certified eating disorder specialist supervisor and an advanced clinical hypnotherapist, which we will talk a little bit more about too. But Tracy has over 17 years of experience counseling individuals, couples, and families, and has practiced hypnotherapy since 2014. Tracy's approach to counseling is based on the belief that everyone has the power within themselves to work through painful, confusing, and chaotic situations, and develop a plan to live peaceful and meaningful lives. I know that our listeners can relate a lot to that. So Tracy uses a variety of cognitive, behavioral, energetic, and mind-body techniques, and she's passionately committed to helping her clients achieve harmony, unity, and agreement in their lives. Oh, Tracy, beautiful. You wow, I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> who wrote that anyway? <laughs> uh, I am so excited to have you on the podcast because the majority of our listeners are caregivers and they're caring for folks who have a type of dementia. And that's a, a disease, as, as you well know, that there is no cure for and it's progressive. And so these folks are living with chaos every day, whether it's the internal processing of chaos or the external (laughs) reality of chaos. But I'm so excited to talk to you about your work. The the thing I didn't share, sorry, in the introduction is you also are the host of a podcast called Calming the Chaos. Yes, I am. And it's been a great journey. It's been really nice to be able to help a lot of people deal with this overwhelm and confusion being thrown off balance. And I'm sure a lot of your audience members can relate to that. Absolutely. What, tell us, why did you start that podcast? What, what was kind of the inspiration behind that for you? I was looking for a universal concern, some concern that people, most people would have. And that's where I came up with chaos because most of my clients were experiencing anxiety or overwhelm to some extent. And so helping them and myself, because I get thrown off balance a lot of times too, by just life. Life is confusing. There's a lot of things in it right now, and there are a lot of choices to make and just a lot of overwhelm. So I wanted to be able to work more on myself and sorting all of that out for myself to be more confident in this world, sorting out all of the confusion that can come in my mind because there's so much to process in this world today. 
I love, uh, thank you for sharing that. I love the approach that you take. And I think most people that are so passionate about their work have kind of a personal connection. And so it sounds like for you, this was something that you wanted to start because it was going to help you personally while helping others as well. Have you found that to be true in your podcasting? Have you learned things that you never thought of or applied things that maybe you hadn't thought of before? Yeah, absolutely. I I learned so much from my guests and you have been a guest on my podcast before. So I've learned a lot from you. Just the way that you look at things is more systemic, global, and just a different way than I have of looking at things. And that's one of the things I appreciate about interviewing anybody, not just licensed counselors like you, but, but people who are having their own experiences because it helps me to see it a different way. And that's, that's really valuable to me and every little bit helps. So yes, the answer, that's the long answer to the question is that I do learn a lot from the people I interview. I think, yeah, you touched on something that I love so much. You talk about thinking outside the box and learning from others. And I know a theme for me, and and if you're a regular listener of my podcast, you'll hear this theme a lot is invoking a sense of curiosity to our lives, whether that's being curious about our loved ones who might be having difficult behaviors that are occurring or reframing a situation um, within ourselves. I think that when we are able to bring that sense of curiosity and openness, whether we're able to do that ourselves or through interacting or meeting with others, that's, that's so important. Can you speak to that a little bit? Uh, What I'm, I guess, let me rephrase this into more of a clear question. I'm really curious about, I want to get to kind of the meat of some of the tools that you have found through interviewing folks and working with your clients that are experiencing high stress environment uh, or in they're in the midst of chaos, what sort of themes have you found or helpful tools or techniques? Let's, let's just kind of dive into the goods. (laughs) Yeah. You really want to know. sounds like you have some chaos that you really want to work on right now. huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Uh, So it's all about being thrown off balance. So chaos is the definition being it's a confused mass or mixture. There's no order. It's disorganized and off balance. And so the things that can throw people off balance are this, you know, just stimuli from this world. And so the people that I've interviewed on my podcast will teach different ways of managing those triggers. And so there's, there's less overwhelm, there's less mental and emotional chaos. If there is confusion, the mind is quiet enough to sort through it, or it's trained enough to sort through it in a way that doesn't disrupt themselves internally or their environment, right? Because some people who can experience chaos will will behave in very different ways. And so there's the states of shock. They could do fight, flight, or freeze. And that's not helpful to anybody, really, when when there needs to be either action or, you know, I guess what we would call mindful or intentional and purposeful action in this world. And so 
some of the things that uh, people have been teaching me are preventative in nature. So these things that we could be doing every day in our daily lives, like if we do yoga or if we do some meditation, or if we just have a simple mindfulness practice that we do every day, this stuff will prevent the anxiety, the overwhelm, just the overstimulation from getting higher than it needs to. This is more like so we've got a little fire in the kitchen that we put out or maintain every day. And so that it doesn't become a house fire, that it is a catastrophe and is harder to, to be able to cope with. So there's the preventative stuff, your mindfulness. We had Dr. Liz listens on my podcast. She talked about some exercises that she does every day. And then I had uh, a young man who was an author who talked about some practices in visualization that he did every day. And he was on my podcast, Zach Rutledge is his name. And then uh, some other people came on. And uh, so they talked about a little bit more challenging, like Sarah Lipton talked about leaning into it. Like if there's something that happens that is really upsetting or throws you off balance and lean, like do that leaning in. And so people may not understand what that is, but just kind of embrace the, what happens now, like just embracing it. And I think that has to do with some of your being curious about it. Right. We are not like going, Oh no, this is so bad. This is happening. This is awful. There's a saying, what you resist persists right? (laughs) Have you heard that one before? I think I have. Yeah. The more you push back on something, the more it persists, the more you resist looking at it, or the more you resist leaning into it, perhaps the more it's going to persist. And I, I've always thought about that too, because we give those things more power, right? The effort that we're putting towards squashing something down or not looking at it empowers us in a different way, which I'm, I'm totally taking us off track here, Tracy. I'm so sorry, but you know where my mind is going right now is I know you're a hypnotherapist and I think, you know, this, my original training was in hypnotherapy before I went to grad school. So I love that modality. I love talking about the power of our thoughts and the power that our subconscious can hold over our lives. And so when we talk about leaning into something or resisting looking at things. I'm definitely thinking about the power that that gives it subconsciously. Yes. Do you mind if I know I'm taking you off track here? Can we touch on that for a second? Like how to manage chaos in relationship to uh, our subconscious? What, What does that look like? Yeah. So being really aware of the power of suggestion, because when, when people, even something as simple as if you are scrolling through Twitter or any kind of social media, and there is a suggestion there that you look at this product or go onto this website that contributes a lot to the overwhelm. So the suggestions that are out there, just being aware that there are going to be those suggestions and understand that you don't have to, you can say, I refuse that suggestion for now in the interest of limiting the overwhelm that's in my mind, or that could potentially build up in my mind. And I see all kinds of suggestions. Um, My husband likes to uh, joke about the, the, the show everyone must see or what 
everyone is talking about, you know, that big advertising thing. And then it kind of messes with your mind. You're thinking like, well, I should check that out. But like, do you have the time to check it out? That is where you have to discern and either say or be very aware of this is going to be contributing to the chaos of my mind and my life, or is it actually going to be reducing the chaos of my mind? So there's the power of suggestion is one thing as far as the subconscious that I would really like people to just kind of notice what is the world suggesting to you and what are you taking in and what are you refusing? I love that you said that. You know where my mind just went is how many women, I mean, I'm thinking about the suggestions that are out there sort of culturally, right? And socially that women are expected to care for our loved ones. Women are expected to sacrifice and quit our jobs. And women are expected to manage the whole big picture and still look good and still perform and still, you know, so that's sort of a big, like macro level suggestion, I guess the message that we're getting. Right. And then adding on top of it, those smaller ones, like your husband was saying, you know, that you're missing, you're missing out if you're not part of this thing or, or you need to buy this product so that not only you're supposed to look good also while you're doing all these other things. Yeah, that's what I, that's one of the things I really appreciate about you is that you do have that global view. See how I, I went and narrowed it down into these little specific things. And then you went out and you just sort of opened it up to here are our suggestions that we accept globally about women. It could be about anything. It could be about how to take care of a loved one, or it could be just about beliefs that we have about people with dementia. And and some of these beliefs that we've adopted are these suggestions that, oh my gosh, this is going to be so bad. It's going to be so hard. It's going to be so challenging. And, you know, you can shift your mindset to be able to view it I have this, this thing that I do in the morning, and I think this may help some of your listeners as well, just to be able to understand that when you're working with dementia, you're going to be put off balance all the time. You are. If you can understand and accept that, you can step into the labyrinth every day. Now, I don't know if anybody has seen the movie, The Labyrinth, but it is an older movie where people are going through a maze trying to reach a goal. But what happens is along the way, the maze shifts. And so this is the way it is with life. If the goal is by the end of each day to be able to have all of the needs met of the person that you're caring for, you start at point A and point B is over there. And you understand that every journey and every day is going to be different and that the labyrinth is going to continue to change. You won't be thrown off balance so much when it does change. You know what I mean? I love that. That is a beautiful example. I am such a visual person, so I'm envisioning that. And I agree. It, I think that so many of us are set up for failure with, with those kind of greater expectations and the big suggestions that we get every day. So I love that, Tracy, that to be conscious to, so what I know is when things are under the surface of our conscious, when they're residing in the subconscious realm, it has so much more power over us because we're not aware of it. And so partially bringing 
that the challenge or the struggle or the chaos into the conscious realm, like you've described by getting up in the morning and recognizing, all right, there, I, there will be challenges today. Just really like any person alive will experience being a caregiver, you're going to experience certain other challenges. And if we're aware of that, and then recognize with your description of the labyrinth that there's moving parts happening all the time and you never know how you're going to get to the other end by the end of the day, but you will, <laughs> then that shifts the whole perspective. You, there's not a setup for failure then that it's going to look a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's about that mindset too. So the subconscious is not getting that message that you're going, this is going to be awful. This is going to be an awful day because it's an, again, an unpredictable situation with a loved one that I'm caring for, but rather it is a challenge. It's sort of like you ask yourself, well, it, I'll be curious uh, about how I'm going to get from point A to point B each day. And it can be considered a challenge or it can be considered uh, like even a game or something to be again curious about and to lean into like yeah. oh it this didn't happen the way i wanted it to happen today how can i embrace that yeah oh this is so helpful already thank yeah. you yeah i love that what other ways on the kind of topic of hypnotherapy or the power of suggestion what other ways can you imagine um would be helpful for caregivers to pay attention to or, or even tools that might be helpful for someone. Um, I love this one that you presented is this kind of reframing the situation. Mm -hmm. Well, so with, with regards to hypnotherapy, I'm really into visual visualization is a big part of hypnotherapy. And so if you are able to visualize a stronger body a stronger mind, a mind that is able to cope with challenges. You can do that every day as a part of your self-care regimen. The preventative part of your self-care regimen is to be able to visualize yourself going through your day and successfully doing that. And that's what Zach Rutledge talked about on my podcast is, is just being able to kind of hypnotize yourself into success so it's a form of self-hypnosis, but visualization is really important to be able to see yourself, no matter what happens, being able to be have a strong body and a mind. So here's some of the, one of the things that, that I do is I will, uh, will visualize light running through my whole entire body. And I will say something like, in the uh, matter of my brain, in the marrow of my bones, in every cell and atom of my body, I'll assign it a color or, or a texture and just imagine and visualize it going from my feet to my head and all around and supplying me with the necessary energy that I'm going to need for the day. Now we know that caregivers need energy because especially when there's unexpected things happening, right? And so I like that visualization. We use that a lot in hypnotherapy, it, especially if you're struggling with any physical health problems, just to be able to wash your <laughs> insides out with this, this light. And this is epigenetic visualization. There's research about this 
as a spontaneous method for remission of cancer. And I think a lot of caregivers could get, you know, could really be uh, benefited from just clearing out the energy in their bodies every day by that just simple visualization. And you don't have to use light. You can use if your favorite color is purple or hot pink or whatever it is, whatever energizes you, be able to imagine that flowing through your whole body and visualizing it makes it seem so much more real and your mindset will shift. See, I just did a suggestion right there. Your mindset will shift during the day and you will find ease and peace instead of chaos. Mm, That is so, I think this is such an important conversation we're having about the power of our thoughts, how we think about a situation, how we think about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, what we believe the, the, the years and years of sort of quote programming that we've had on how to survive through our lives. And, and there are so many studies. I know, you know, this Tracy, and I encourage people to check this out too, but there are so many studies that show that the relationship you have with yourself, in other words, how you talk to yourself, how you think about yourself will have a direct impact on your health and well-being. And as we know, caregivers are one of the highest you know, rates of dis-ease because of the stress that folk, the stress and the unknown from day to day that people face. And so it's even more crucial, I think, for caregivers to pay attention and be vigilant on how we talk to ourselves, the thoughts we allow into our minds. Um, and so this, this is just great. I love that you kind of share that example of the visualization of health and healing light. Another technique that I've thrown out sometimes for folks when they don't, when they're having a hard time accessing that part of themselves that is strong or competent or healthy is I'll ask people to imagine who in their lives does experience that or who in their lives or even a historical figure, <laughs> you know, maybe it was Mother Teresa or their grandmother or someone that they know from, you know, one of their social uh, circles. If you could draw that quality, just narrow that specific quality from that person and channel that into you, what would that feel like? What would that look like? How, where would you hold that in your body so that you could tap into that easily at any time during the day. Yeah. Cause some people would be, you know, you bring up a really good point. Some people may need to tone down their energy and that would be more of a softer hue, but other people, some, some people are struggling with burnout or their own health problems and, or they're in the sandwich generation where they're caring for little ones and a spouse or a partner and they need more energy. And so it depends on what you need, which goes back to that early noticing and being able to understand uh, what what's happening, what is the deficit that I have and what I need to be able to care for that within myself. And then there's the, the people who are just sort of thinking, well, gosh, you know, I don't know where to start. And then they may need something more like a triage instead of a preventative measure. Like right now we need to get them a treat, some triage help, you know, (laughs) like it's really gotten to a point where it's unmanageable and we need to get them some 
really good, solid interventions that they can use right away that'll help. And uh, that's also part of calming the chaos for sure. I love that. So you, so yes, back to what you were saying initially, you talked about the preventative measures and those are the small, simple things that you can do every day. Some of the things that you mentioned, Tracy, were um, practicing mindfulness. So, and, and then you talked about visualization. Can you just for our listeners describe briefly what mindfulness is or how you would use that? So Mindfulness in a nutshell is going to be just intentionally noticing. And and so if you just want two words to describe mindfulness, and this has been described in so many different ways, but that's the way I choose to describe it is intentionally noticing. So on purpose, noticing in the here and now what is happening. So whether it's observing the color of a tree or whether I'm observing the features of your face, but I'm able to stick with the present moment and observe. And also it extends to the feelings within our bodies too. So if we can observe our tension going up, say if I use a scale of zero to 10, I observe I'm at a three or a four, but it starts to climb when, you know, something gets delivered to my house that I think might be a bill or something. It starts to climb. I'll notice that it's intentionally checking in and noticing, and then being able to not judge it, but just observe it as it is. And I think that's the, that's a good, so I went from a two word definition to a, an expanded definition, like but that. that's the way I like to explain it. No, it's really helpful. Observing without judgment and then also noticing one of the things that I like to do is bring in all of my senses. Like I, I use this acronym. I don't know if you've heard this avocado. So it's A-V-K-T-O, audio, visual, kinesthetic, taste, and olfactory. That's the, that's the only way I can remember all the senses. <laughs> but I, I like one of the things I had given a presentation to caregivers at one of the, I don't remember which one it was, but basically I had used that as an example to take each of those five senses and assign a day of the week to that. There's five days of the week, uh, you know, work week, but uh, one day wake up in the morning and say, today, I am going to just notice all of the sights. I'm going to consciously use my sense of sight and I'm going to notice colors. I'm going to notice the, the way the, the lightness or brightness of things. I'm going to pay attention to the leaves and the trees. And, and then the next day, maybe it's your, sense of touch that you're going to notice with how your clothes feel on your body, how your feet feel in your shoes, how, you know, what the textures are as you go throughout your day. And yeah, just little tools to bring that mindfulness back in. Yeah. And the value of that is going to be that every time you purposely on purpose, like you were describing using your visual or using your olfactory or using touch you are strengthening your ability to be present. And when you are present with what happens in your world and you're stronger in that, you're able to make better choices. You're able to make better decisions and you're able to function a lot better in your life. Just being, having that strong brain, like you go to the gym or, or, or go walking and you work out and your body gets stronger, but your mind gets stronger by purposefully 
paying attention to things. And then when you're in the midst of chaos, you're able to thrive in that. You're able to rise above any of the confusion. You might still get confused, but your brain's more able to cope with it. I love this. Tracy, I can talk about this forever. Like, (laughs) I mean, we could go off on how the brain is wired and how, you know, they used to think that, well, uh, I guess I I was almost going to say two separate things, but the important thing to know is that you can rewire the neurons, those, those connections in your brain. And what happens is our bodies are amazing physiological beings. Like, I mean, our bodies are wired in a way to preserve energy. So if we're thinking the same thoughts every day, or we're doing the same things every day, our neurons are literally going to create shortcuts so that we don't have to consciously think about doing, we don't consciously have to think about brushing our teeth every day. We can, (laughs) we end up in the car driving to work and can't remember if we did or not, but likely we did because it's part of our regular routine. And so I guess what I'm saying is that because our bodies are good at preserving energy, those are the easy, those habits, those thoughts that we automatically think are going to be super easy for us. And sometimes when they're not helpful thoughts or they're not helpful actions, it's important to rewire our brains in a way so that then it is the positive things that are more natural that we don't even have to think about how we're going to react or respond to a situation because we've wired our brains to respond or react in a certain way. And so these are great tools for doing that. Right. And so what you're talking about is, is so important because mindfulness is important. And I know it's a lot of hard work, but what happens is I think a lot of people do self-care by doing mindless things. So they will go to what's easy for the mind, like what you were saying about that. Like, so mindless eating, that's a lot of what I deal with as an eating disorder specialist. And so people will go to what's easy for the brain because it's mindless, or we scroll on YouTube, or we scroll on Twitter, or we shop on Amazon because it's so easy now. And we do any number of things that are mindless, not intentional. That's, I'm very guilty of that. Getting well, to some extent, fucking out. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a YouTube person myself and I'm like, I'm not finding what I want. I'm not. And I, and then I notice that and I'm thinking, oh, well maybe what you want is not on YouTube right now and you need to go someplace else. And that's when I choose to go and learn something. And this is, even if it's just a little something that I learn. And of course, it's usually from YouTube that I learn how to do it. But what it is, is it it gives my mind a purpose instead of falling asleep and being fed or being washed away or whatever it is, turned to mush, whatever you want to call it. The the mind is strengthened and it's hard work. I do want to acknowledge that. And it does. I have a lot of clients where I am saying, well, you know, if you have this ADD, ADHD, or you have a lack of attention or you're forgetting things, you know, you may want to pick up the daily mindfulness practice because it's going to make your brain a lot stronger. And they just roll their eyes like, oh my God, that's so much work. That's so much work. And it is, 
even if you're just going to do a mindful toothbrushing, you know, like I'm going to purposely pay attention to how the toothpaste tastes and the feeling of it on my teeth. And if it hits my gums and all of that other stuff, you may be very resistant to that because it is, it is very difficult to even, well, even to get yourself into the place where you want to do it. I just, all I can say is that it's very beneficial for you to do it. Uh, because it's going to help you make dis- better decisions. Your memory is going to be better. You're going to be less reactive and you're going to be more intentionally uh, active and confident in your life. I love that. Yeah. That's, and, and so actually that's kind of what I wanted to ask you is um, thinking about family members who are, they're already burned out. You know, it's, it's, it's they finally get a moment and it's true. I, all you want to do is check out. You just want to check out and not have to work, not have to put effort into anything, not have to even think where's the balance there. Like, so I see the importance of working towards mindfulness and, you know, working towards being diligent about changing our thoughts and changing the way we do things. And and you're right. All of that can take effort because it's not natural. It eventually will be effortless, but at first it's, it can be an effort. So where's the balance between that? And when is it okay to just check out or what types of checking out is Mm -hmm. like helpful for our brains and our bodies? Yeah, because it is true. Sometimes the brain just needs a rest, especially if it's been going all day. So sometimes scrolling through YouTube or going to Amazon or whatever you're going to go to get your brain to slow down is great. And so, yeah, you do need to give it time. This is where if you have a self-hypnosis CD or even I think they have these meditation apps on online that you can get that can help your mind to slow down without actually going to either the kitchen or spending a bunch of money on things or watching some TV. That's like what they call bad TV. Like this, this TV is not doing my brain any good, but it feels so good, you know? So yeah, you could do, you could choose to do something different after you did, you know, maybe you, you allow yourself a certain amount of time to scroll on YouTube. And then you, after that time, you choose to learn something or you choose to get a self-hypnosis app. And so it all depends on what your choice is. And you you make your choices determined usually on your values. Like what do you really value? And when we get into values, we have to kind of check in with this and say, well, if we value in our lives, a strong body or a strong mind, or uh, the ability to be energetic throughout the day, or we value our finances, right? (laughs) Because we can get really carried away with shopping. Then we will be able to make choices that are more in tune with our values. So if we don't want our minds to kind of check out all the time, but we want to be present, then we will more likely say, all right, let's set a timer, 30 minutes on YouTube. And then, and I'll listen to something. That's just, this is what I do to rein in my YouTube thing, 30 minutes on YouTube. And then I go to something else that is going to be more helpful because I won't deny myself what I really like to do to check out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Right. But, right. There's yeah. A, yeah. There's a benefit. What I hear you saying is 
to be intentional about it, right? To just not, not just get lost in it. And, but if you're intentional that, yeah, today I am going to spend an hour or two doing this thing. At least you're intentional about it. And then you can even bring in some mindfulness <laughs> to it. I'm right? intentionally going to be enjoying this YouTube video or eating this ice cream or whatever. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I wanted to throw out, I also just, I, I really have been working on this myself, this piece of, cause I get lost. I'm, I am an information junkie. Like I love learning things and researching things. And I can go down that rabbit hole big time when it comes, well, obviously mm-hmm. with to dementia and brain health and how we think about our problems and all of that stuff. And so I have an app it's called, I know there's a lot of them out there. I use insight timer and it has some amazing guided visualizations and music and sleep stuff. And when I get in my head, I reach for that app for sure. That's turned into being such a great tool for, for myself. The other night I woke up at like three 30 in the morning and my mind was racing and I couldn't get a grip on it. And it, I don't usually do that. It was odd that that happened, but man, I was so grateful to have that insight timer app. I put on a guided visualization. It took me out of my head. I could just focus on the voice. I could focus on the, the journey and it pulled me right out. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know I like insight timer as well. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you know of any others? Headspace. Headspace is one that I have used before. And I believe I have a client just gave me the name of uh, a new one. And that is. There's a, a calm calm is another app that I've seen folks use too, but. Oh, aura, a U R a aura is the, yeah. And calm. Yep. I've got them written down. Gosh, this was weeks ago on Friday, August 13th. So <laughs> I haven't checked them out yet, but, that, but I'm glad that we had this conversation because I really do want, because uh, Headspace and Insight Timer are the ones that I typically recommend. I know they have free versions and paid versions of both of those apps, but I heard really good things about Aura. And nice. I'm going to check it out too. Yeah. So Tracy, what would you say, what, what would you say you wish that all people in chaos knew? Like people experiencing chaos, if there was one or two things that you wish they knew, what would that be? Well, yeah. So how people experience chaos is going to be key there. So I, it would be great if everybody was familiar with their own systems and how they typically react in chaos. So we look at the three forms of shock that I mentioned earlier, we've got the fight, flight, and freeze. And in different situations, we can do every one of them. But I would really like people to understand that when you're overwhelmed and you're in chaos, you can go into any of those three states of shock, fight or flight, or just freeze because you're overloaded. It's kind of like when you press too many buttons on your computer and then your computer freezes up. So for people to be familiar with what we call parasympathetic shock and sympathetic shock, the sympathetic shock being the fight or flight. So am I going to be 
combative? Am I going to be snappy and snippy when I get chaotic? Or am I going to run away, fight or flight, right? Am I going to just escape? (laughs) Yeah. So those are the, those are the two sympathetic shock reactions that we can have in chaos. And then there's the freeze, which is the parasympathetic. You can memorize that pretty easily because para is like paralyzed, right? Parasympathetic. That's your parasympathetic when you freeze and you just want to stare at a wall and not do anything. I'll catch myself doing it, like staring into space. And I'm thinking, oh, that's right. And because of my awareness, I'm aware it feels so good here, but I have to get out because if I stay here much longer, I'm not going to be very productive. Right. So just being aware that you can go into any of those states of shock. And then there's ways to be able to get out of them as well. So I'm a big believer in treating in recognizing and treating shock with getting back into your body using the five senses is probably the best way. And the easiest and quickest, most direct way to get back into your body is by the sense of smell. And so I really like using essential oils for this purpose. And I don't know if anybody out there in your audience, this is just a really super quick way to be able to get back to give your body what it needs and everybody's system is going to be different. So, and I don't, I'm not trained to, to give any essential oil advice or anything. I can just tell you what works for me is in general, if I start to freeze or get into that parasympathetic state of shock, I'll use my citrus citrus uh, sense, kind of like smelling salts used to revive the the woman who fainted (laughs) (laughs) right? So I'll use my citrus, I'll use my lemongrass and orange, and I will also use peppermint to be able to sort of like wake up, wake myself up. Invigorating sort of. Yeah. Okay. And then if I am in the fight or flight, I will typically use my lavender or vanilla, uh, some of those calming eucalyptus is a good one too, that it just calms, calms me down. I love clove for that. So there's a lot of different scents that can do, it's just, it's just interesting to see, to smell them and, and observe what it does to your body and how it makes you feel. And this is a great, just a two second exercise you can do. Just put a little scent on a Kleenex and close your eyes and just smell it and just notice what happens. Do you feel more invigorated or do you feel, um, do you feel more calm? And I like using sound as well, although it's a sound is not as powerful, but music is. Music has been shown to be very, very powerful for getting you back into your body. So, and out of those states of shock. Uh, so, so yeah, being aware of the states of shock and being aware of ways to get out of the shock is what I really wish that caregivers would know. And again, that would be well, mindfulness would also come into play there because you'd have to observe when you're in that state of shock, which is again, another benefit of doing mindfulness practices and then being able to get yourself out of that state of shock and feeling more comfortable. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Can I share a, a sweet little story? So I've got this little bottle of essential oil. It says breathe on it. I was having a particularly rough day. This was a couple months ago. And when I go into that sympathetic state, my heart rate increases. I have what they call air hunger, where I feel like I can't catch a deep breath at, at times. And so I was, I was experiencing this and I, I had to come to work. I got out of my car 
and right at my feet is this bottle of essential oil. <laughs> that's says breathe. Dropped in the, the parking lot and it says breathe on it. I So anyway, that was my little gift to the universe that day. <laughs> no, the universe I, gave you a gift, apparently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. The universe gave me this gift. And I guess, you know, in sharing that, I I think I'm so grateful that I was aware enough to see the gift, right? To notice. And so for folks who are experiencing chronic stress or are in that sympathetic state more often than not, than not the importance of observing, the importance of awareness. And I do believe in some ways, I know this sounds a little esoteric, but that the universe is always offering us opportunities to, to heal or balance ourselves. And so anyways, I want to thank you so much, Tracy, for having this conversation. Is there anything else that you feel that would be important for folks to know about that we didn't get a chance to cover today? I think we pretty much covered it. The one thing that you just, just to kind of expand on what you said about breathing. So you've got the oil that the universe gave you, which is magical. (laughs) I love that story that you always have your breath. You have your breath that you can use as a mindfulness tool, or just to be able to get a calmer mind. I teach a lot of my clients, the eight second cool down, which is simple, very simple. And I do it three times. And it is just simply taking in as much air as your lungs will hold and holding your breath for eight seconds, counting slowly. And then at the end of the eight seconds, just letting it out very slowly. And it doesn't matter nose or mouth. And then you could do this three times. And it typically what it does is it gets oxygen to your brain and it distracts you because you're counting. And so it does a really good job of getting you back into balance. And I like to say, you'll always have your breath. And if you don't, you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to buy anything to to use this technique. (laughs) Right. Ah, thank you so much, Tracy. Where can folks find out more about you and your work? And yeah, tell us, tell us about your podcast too, how they can find your podcast. Yeah. So the podcast is Calming the Chaos, and that's going to be available wherever any podcasts are. And in fact, I just got listed on Amazon's podcast list too. Yeah. So there's that. And then I'm also on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel called Calming the Chaos. And I'm really super excited because this year we're having the So many people have talked to me about wanting to be on my show. I have so many diverse possibilities that I can go with. And so interviews, people really wanting to lend their voices and helping me and my audience calm our chaos. And there's, of course, my website at www.lokahicounseling.com, Lokahi spelled L-O-K-A-H-I, and that is a Hawaiian word, and it is harmony, unity, and agreement. And so that website has an awesome resources page that I just built a couple of weeks ago. So it, that on that resource page, it has all kinds of free self-help resources and just general websites that I like and that will help you calm your chaos. I love it. Thank you so much, Tracy. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome at any time. And you come back and visit me on my podcast too, Laura. Absolutely. (laughs) I just want to thank everyone so much for listening to this podcast and contributing. I love, love hearing your comments and your feedback about the podcast. You please feel free to email me anytime. My email is info at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. And of course you can go on and leave a comment on any of the podcast platforms that you'd like, but I, I always take your suggestions and ideas and we've had some really fabulous guests. I've got some really great folks coming up that are scheduled for in the next few weeks. I'm excited about. So again, thank you so much. And I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.